This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That is Mark 9, 23-24. Guys, I'm back. Well, okay, I'm like, I'm like sort of back. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in this episode. But yes, this is the first time since my first surgery that I'm recording a solo podcast. And yes, I did say first surgery. Uh, some of you likely didn't know that I had to have actually a second surgery on my vocal cords, but I'll get more into all that here in just a second. But right now I got a little bit of housekeeping before we get into what we're going to be talking about today. I will do my best to give you some good content today. I'm going to do my absolute level best. But I'm going to have to kind of, you know, temper myself a little bit, bridle myself a little bit. I have to take it easy. So I'm saying this as much to prepare you for what you're about to hear, but also to remind myself. So here goes nothing. So first of all, happy life month to everybody. Yes, this is life month. I mean, you may have heard the rumor that it's actually pride month, right? That we're celebrating things that could, you know, send you to hell. But this, I need to remind you, this month is the one-year anniversary of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey being overturned, okay? So that's a very, very good thing. And so people may celebrate Pride Month. They may celebrate things that are absolutely detestable and abominable to God, but we're going to be celebrating life. But also, I wanted to give a quick thank you for all the messages and all the prayers that I've received since before my surgery, after the first one, in between, the whole way. I'm getting phone calls and text messages and emails and DMs, some from people I know well, some perfect strangers even. And hearing people say, yeah, the entire prayer team in my church is getting after it in the spiritual realm for you. Or, you know, when my family prayed around the dinner table tonight, we were, we were praying thinking about you. We prayed for you by name. And I got those messages a lot. And so I'm the type of guy where I like hearing that, but then it's also kind of weird to me. It's like, oh man, you got, you got stuff going on. You got your own business. You got your own kids. You got things like, why are you worried about me? But uh, it's just, I'm so thankful and humbled by you all that you like the content so much and you like what we bring to the table that you would pray for me in such a way. Also, I wanted to give a big thank you to our donors. So one of the things I told you guys way back, I forget what episode it was, 190 or 290 or I can't remember is that we were going to go for it and that we needed donors to step up in order to do that for us. And I promised we would continue to build and build and build and make more content and get even more stuff out there to you. And we've had to take a step back. So I worked my tail off to make sure that y'all had forging tables while I was recovering and interviews while I was recovering. And I wasn't expecting to have a second surgery. And so some of the interviews with Russell Berger and Jack Carr you can tell that my voice is not great. And so I just appreciate your patience with that. But it's the donors. I know I don't send emails every time. I used to email everybody back and say thank you. But I just want to give a big thank you to all our donors for helping sustain us in this time. Because as you can imagine, when we're releasing less episodes, that means we're getting less downloads. Less downloads means we're getting less looks by sponsors. And even with the people that we have now, we're getting less sponsorship dollars. And so when you donate, and we've had a few guys come out of pocket and give some pretty sizable donations in the last six weeks, 
that is so huge for us. And so I just didn't want you guys to feel like we weren't going to acknowledge you or that we don't acknowledge you. We do acknowledge you. Also, wanted to remind you, as we get this show kind of ramped back up, and you know, we'll talk more about that, is make sure you're sharing this podcast with people. I'm going to get some momentum going again, but don't just share the podcast with somebody. Like, imagine if you were to tell someone, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, someone that's written a lot of books, maybe Stephen King or Dean Koontz or Tom Clancy, and you were to say, hey, you need to listen to Tom Clancy. Okay, like that's that's obviously a good thing for you to say. It's another thing for you to say, hey, I read this particular Tom Clancy book and I think you would like it. And so don't just share Undaunted Life of Man's podcast with the guys in your life. If there's an individual episode or a forging table or an interview that you think a guy would really enjoy, dude, phones are so easy. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, they're so easy. You can just shoot it to them really quick. We would love for you to continue doing that. If you haven't left a review yet, wherever you're listening to this, please do that as well. And you may have noticed as well, Kyle, that's different podcast intro music. And it is. We're switching up our podcast intro music. We still love August Burns Red. There's not any craziness going on there. But the song that we're using now is a song called Perpetua by, by, that is by the band Holy Name. It's off their self-titled first album. And they're off of Face Down Records. And this band, their self-described genre is Preachcore, which is pretty funny. But then also they describe their sound as holy drone violent worship. And if you know anything about me, you know anything about the show, you know we can dig that. So guys, that'll be in the show notes. You can check out that band. I want you to make sure that you support them. And then also, as always, haven't been able to talk about Origin in a while, but guys, Origin is absolutely taking off. By the time you listen to this, they will have released their new line of workout clothing. So, you know, long sleeve and short sleeve workout uh, tops shorts, uh, Nogi shorts actually sent me a pair of Nogi shorts to try before, you know, while they were doing the kind of the testing stage. And they're just perfect. I mean, I, I looked for high and low for great Nogi jujitsu shorts and I bought some and I was like, ah, these kind of suck. And, and they just, they nailed it. But then also they've got the best jujitsu geese on the planet. They have jeans, they've got boots, and that's just on the origin side. They got hunting gear. And then also we've got on the other side of things, we've got Jocko fuel. So that's creatine protein, other supplements. They've got new whey cookies, right? That are like sugar-free. They've got Jocko Go energy drinks. They've got a ton of stuff on that side. And guys, they have worked a lot with me and with Undaunted Life. So I want you to support them and their products don't suck. So if you go to originmain.com or originusa.com, both links are in the show notes, use the promo code undaunted and you'll get 10% off of your order on everything. So definitely go and check that out. Now, I would love to get into some quick hitters today. You should see the list on my phone of the stuff I've wanted to talk about for like the last couple of months, and maybe we'll get there eventually, but we need to kind of bring you up to speed. I've gotten a lot of messages. Hey, Kyle, how you doing? I haven't heard from you, and not everybody's on our mailing list, and so they haven't gotten the updates. So let me give you the full update here as to kind of what went down. So if you're completely new to the show, long story short, for the past 15 plus years or so, I've had vocal cord problems, like very raspy voice, very gravelly voice. If I have to talk very much for very long, it becomes cumbersome for me to do so, uh, which is not conducive to running a podcast, speaking live, that type of thing. And so went to my fifth opinion from an ear, nose and throat doctor, and he showed me on video, I had a collapsed vocal cord. Okay, so like an atrophied vocal cord. So I've been 
basically leaning on other parts of my voice and my throat to create sound for years and years and years and years. It got to a point where it wasn't sustainable. I opted for surgery. The surgery is called a thyroplasty. So they cut you at the neck and then they actually make, uh, they put a silicone implant inside of the vocal cord to plump it up so that your vocal cords will touch. So for most of you guys, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube or Rumble, when you talk, your vocal cords do this. They kind of vibrate, but then they should close and touch. So mine originally was like that. So it was like one was strong and one was like super atrophied. And so when you do the implant, it's supposed to plump up like that. So I get the surgery. The, uh, I mean, it sucks because they're cutting you on the neck, but, uh, and I'm recovering and it's kind of, you know, it's hard to sleep and all the stuff at any time that you're recovering from a serious surgery. But I go for my one week follow-up appointment and my doctor's like, dude, your voice sounds great for one week in. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I get to two weeks in and my voice got even a little bit better. It was like my voice quality was better, but it was like the, the volume knob was stuck. So I just couldn't project. I was like, oh man, by the time I hit three, four weeks, I'm going to be great. But then my recovery just plateaued. My voice didn't get any better. If anything, got a little bit worse. My ability to project didn't get better. If anything, it got a little bit worse. And so I was in communication with my surgeon. And by the four week mark, I went back in and saw him. And he was like visibly saddened by how I sounded. He's like, I don't know what's going on. This, this is not what should be happening right now, which is obviously disappointing to hear because I was so hopeful that this was going to work. And so he put me on a round of pretty intense medication. He's like, man, if there's an infection in there or some fluid, we need to get that out of there. But uh, your options essentially are surgery again to replace the implant with a bigger one surgery to just remove the implant, which would put me back to where I was pre-surgery at best. And the third is just to leave it and embrace that that was my new voice, which the third option was not really a good option. The second option certainly wasn't a good option. And so after some prayer and counsel and just generalized adult decision-making, I decided to opt for a second surgery. Now here's the difference with the second surgery, but the first surgery they put me to sleep, cut me open, you know, he's looking around, oh, okay, and then he's literally carving the silicone implant right there while I'm open, injects it into the vocal cord, and then does his best guess to make sure that, ah, oh, this will close whenever he wakes up and talks. Well, what ended up happening is the anterior third, so if, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, look at the bottom, the base of my index fingers, the anterior third wasn't closing, so I was supposed to be getting this, and I was getting more like that which improvement from where I was, but was not conducive for long-term health of the voice. And so with a second surgery, what they were planning to do is cut me open. Or, you know, after they put me to sleep, but after they cut me open to wake me up and then have me talk and then put, you know, take the implant out, put a different implant in. Oh, that one's not quite so good. And I actually remember that. I actually remember that happening. Uh, the, the best way for me to describe it is, you know, my memory's foggy, but I remember understanding what the surgeon was telling me to do, but I couldn't do it. Like, he's like, Hey, say this or say that, make this noise. And I was like, I like, I couldn't do it. It's like being in a dream where you need to run and you can't or scream or talk and, and you can't. That's kind of what it felt like. I, I understood what was happening, but I couldn't do anything about it. So, you know, he put, you know, puts me back to sleep, shows me up. And as of the recording of this, I'm 13 days post-surgery number two. So I'm inside my second recovery. The recovery has been a little easier than the first time because with the first one, 
you know, they're cutting a bunch of stuff to make room for the implant and all that. Whereas with this one, they just popped one implant out and then stuck another one in there. So this implant is larger and longer. Um, and we don't know yet because they're still swelling, but we should be getting complete closure of the vocal cord. Uh, the vocal cord should be touching. So in terms of what life looks like right now and in the near future, right now it's just rest and recovery. Tomorrow, like I haven't been able to lift more than 10 pounds for the last two weeks, so I haven't even been able to like pick up and hug my boys. Certainly I haven't been able to exercise. Like I went for a walk, you know what I mean? That's all I've been able to do. So I'm like losing my mind. But starting tomorrow, I'm going to start working out again. Um, with weights, it's going to be almost non-existent weight, okay? I won't even really be doing pull-ups because I don't want to create any really tension in that area. But I'm going to be doing some air squats, some jogging, just some light stuff, some stretching. Because um, you can't even really stretch during that time because, you know, the, the chance of opening up the incision site or moving the implant. But I'll be able to hug my boys. And, you know, my wife has just been an absolute gangster the last two weeks because she's basically had a solo parent because I couldn't do anything. Couldn't even like pick up our dog. Like we have like a little Maltese and a and giant schnauzer. Couldn't even pick up the Maltese for the most part. But now what I'm doing is I'm in the process of trying to find a speech slash throat slash breathing coach. Because apparently for my entire life, <laughs> I've, I've breathed wrong and I've uh, talked wrong. Which sounds crazy because breathing is subconscious and talking for the most part is subconscious. You know? But apparently, uh, the way I breathe is I breathe from my chest and my shoulders and my neck, right? You're supposed to breathe from your diaphragm, from your belly. Like, only a small percentage of people breathe correctly. So, I bought, you know, some different, you know, breathing trainers. Um, but my big thing right now and my big struggle is what you need is a laryngologist. So, a laryngologist, they basically focus only on the throat, only on the voice. But the state of Oklahoma has zero of those. And so, as you could imagine, speech-language pathologists in Oklahoma don't really have a focus on the throat and on speaking as much because they're not getting referrals directly from laryngologists that that's all they do. So, I have some leads on some different people because you don't want just a speech-language pathologist because they're just basically looking at it from a medical standpoint, not a performance standpoint. And you don't just want a classically trained, you know, singing coach because they may not know what's going on on the medical side. You kind of need a combo of both. And so, again, it has some leads there, but that's kind of the next step. Is And it's weird because it's like breathing and, and speaking is subconscious, but what this coach is going to have to do is bring it out of the realm of subconscious into the conscious, fix it, train it, and then make it to where I can just put it back into the subconscious. Because it's one thing, you know, if you're Hicks and Gracie and you sit down on a beach and you have some you know, just light music playing and you can just, you know, focus on your breath, you can probably diaphragmatically breathe. It's different when I'm recording a podcast or doing an interview or speaking live. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to use my brain and my calories that I'm burning to the content. I'm not focused on how I'm breathing. So essentially I'm in the long haul process of building a new voice. Um, what you're hearing right now is hopefully the worst that you're going to hear. Um, in terms of what my voice looks like or sounds like rather, but that's the process that I'm on. Now, in terms of the show for now, we're going to stick with two episodes per week, which again, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I want to do more, but we're just going to stick with the two episodes per week until I feel comfortable doing something different. You will get a forging table every Sunday. 
and the, an interview will be on Tuesdays, and that's likely going to be the format. I might pop in here and there to do an additional episode. I might not do an interview one week and do kind of a short episode with you. But again, I really have to take it easy. Like even right now, like I want to get excited. I want to go crazy. I have to be calm about it. I'm really chomping at the bit to get back to doing solo episodes, to doing quick hitters, to giving you guys the content that you've grown to love. And so I would just ask you to be patient with me as I'm doing that. But I do, as we move through here, I do want to give you some thoughts. So some healthy and then some not so healthy thoughts that I've had during this, this process. So pre-surgery, number one, you know, a big thought that came to my mind is, you know, man, I hope this works. Because, you know, I've had a thumb reconstruction from a jujitsu injury and it's like, crap, you know, I really hope this works. I need this thumb. You know, I need it to do everything. Opposable thumbs are what separates us from the monkeys. You know, that, that kind of thought process. And luckily it worked out great, but man, it was kind of shady there for a little bit. Wasn't sure, but that was what I was really hoping for. But then another thought that I shared on the show is, what if I lose my voice forever? Again, this is pre-surgery number one. That is a potential outcome of that surgery. It's not a high likelihood, but I could have lost complete voice function to where I could only speak at a whisper for the rest of my life. And luckily it didn't work out that way, but you know, that was a pre-surgery thought. And also a thought that came up, which is why today's episode is named what it's named is what if God doesn't heal me? I was, um, I was like haunted by the Apostle Paul talking about his ailment and how God didn't deliver him from that. And it obviously hampered him, but he was still was able to do in ministry what God set out for him to do. But for me, I was like, well, what I feel like God put me on this plan to do is to equip men to push back darkness. That's going to be really hard to do if I can't talk or talk how I want or how often I want or at the speed and, you know, force that I want to do it with. But it's like, well, crap, what if God doesn't heal me? But now let's go to post-surgery. So this is post-first surgery. One of my first thoughts is, well, I'm alive, so that's good. I mean, because anytime you get artificially put to sleep, there's a chance you won't wake up. So it's like, great, I'm alive. And then I guess another thought was, man, my throat really hurts. (laughs) I mean, I had a gigantic gash on my throat. And so it's like, that that's a new feeling. I've had neck pain before. I've had a sore throat, but I've never had that. And then after the first surgery, around the three-week recovery point, the thought obviously came into my mind, man, why why is my voice not getting any better? Did I do something wrong? Like, did, did I, did I move too much too, too quickly? Like I'm, I'm like the best patient. If a doctor tells me don't do this for this amount of time, I'm not going to, I'm going to add a week to it. I'm very conservative in my recovery, but it's like, man, what's, what's going on? And around that time I had another thought, which was, you know, was this a huge mistake? Is this the biggest mistake I've ever made? Could I have kept my voice going for the next several decades, you know, with, tea and honey and lozenges and cold water, you know, room temperature water. Could I have, could I have done something different? Did I make a mistake here? And those are hard places to get to. It's good to reflect, but it's still hard to to think about. And then after I decided to do surgery again, the second surgery, pre-second surgery, another thought was, 
you know, what in the world should I do? Should I, should I follow through with this? I guess. And as I just said, I, I, I did. And then I had the thought, you know, what if I lose my voice forever? I thought that again, cause that's on the table again now, cause I'm having surgery again. But again, the, the thought came to mind. What if God doesn't heal me again? <laughs> like, what if he doesn't heal me? Like, all right, we did it the first time. Everybody prayed and we believed and, you know, we had faith and all that and it just didn't quite work out. And what if we do it again and we're right back where we are? So I have a gigantic scar on my neck and nothing to show for it. And then we have the second surgery, which is where we're at now. I come out of the second surgery, you know, first thought, well, I'm alive, so that's good. My throat hurts, but not as much as before because, again, they're just kind of popping the old implant out and put the new one in. And then I'm, I'm just desperate with please work. Please, please, please work. And then I was, I was just haunted again with what if God doesn't heal me? And that's where I'm sitting right now. And, and all those thoughts, guys, pre-first surgery, post-first surgery, the in-between, second surgery, post-second surgery. There were three big questions that came to mind. And I'm going to describe them briefly because I can't talk very much or for very long. But I'm, I'm describing these and to just to kind of put you guys in the right place, right frame of mind as we move through this is I don't want you guys to get the wrong idea about me. I tell people all the time, please don't worship at the altar of undaunted life. Please don't make a man's podcast your substitute for the Bible. Please don't <laughs> look at, you know, Kyle Thompson as if he's figured it out and he's got it going on. I want to be honest with you guys. When I fall, when I sin when I have problems, when I have doubts. And so I'm to a degree, I'm going to do that now. But it, it really, uh, throughout this entire process, as I was preparing my comments for today, three big questions came to mind. The first one is, does prayer work? And I'll use, you know, air quotes around the word work. Does it work? Because again, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Prayer was not part of my life. Prayer, for the most part, has been a struggle throughout my Christian walk. Um, when I communicate, I usually try to communicate praise, but when these people have like, you know, prayer closets in their house or they have, you know, specified prayer time and, you know, it's just, it's always been an odd thing to me because, you know, I certainly am not Catholic, so I don't think you have to go talk to a guy in a box, you know, and have him be an intercessory between you and God. I think we can just sit here. You can sit there in your car or at the gym or at home, wherever you're listening to this right now, and you can talk to God right now. But in terms of prayer working, it's always bothered me. I think I asked Joby Martin this in the second interview we did, second or third interview, but it's like Christians always seem to have a cop-out. Again, thinking like a non-Christian when I was a non-Christian, but then also thinking this way after I became a Christian is, let's use an easy example. So 45-year-old gets colon cancer, and it's tragic because he's got two kids, and you know, he's got a wife, and you know, his wife stays home, and he works, and blah, blah, and, you know, it's, it's one of those situations. And he gets a lot of prayer. Everyone that knows this guy is praying for him, or at least they say they are. They do a prayer meeting at church. They put him in, you know, at the altar and they, they lay hands on him, right? And they're praying for healing. Okay. If he's miraculously cancer free at his next checkup, we can say, look what God did. God nailed it. We asked him for healing and he gave it to us. Praise God. But if he dies, cancer. Christians would always be like, well, I guess that just wasn't God's will. And that always struck me as so disingenuous. Like I was like, what? It's like, and so I've always struggled with this idea of prayer working. 
I've prayed for this situation with my boys. My family has. And again, like I told you from the beginning, who knows how many hundreds or thousands of people were praying for little old me and my voice. But it's like, man, does, does prayer work or does God just do whatever he's going to do? Is he just going to do what he wants to? Okay, so just being honest there. Second question that came up for me with all this is, what if God doesn't heal me ever? Because as I told you, I thought, what if God doesn't heal me throughout this process? But it was like, what if God doesn't heal me ever? What does that do? What do I do? Because, you know, I, I like to eat food, live indoors, and provide that same luxury for my family. So I can't just sit here and not produce. I hate writing, but, does, but I'm good at it. So do I, do I just become a writer? Is that how Undaunted Life continues? I had, a, you know, a few jack wagons come out of the woodwork, some of them strangers and some of them people I barely knew that offered to take over my show for me. And I was just like, what? Yeah, sure. Let me just hand over the reins of my show to you so that you can build your own clout. I, I, just, I couldn't believe it that, that people would be so ballsy to even, even offer that, especially since I didn't you know, assume that their motives were pure. And it, but you're just stuck like, okay, do I need to, okay, I guess I'll go be a cop. Well, crap, cops need to talk. Okay, can't do that. Maybe I can be a firefighter. Well, I'm 36, so I'm basically ancient. Uh, they're hiring 20-year-olds, you know? Maybe I can be a UPS driver. Like, I, you just, you're going through these scenarios of what if God doesn't heal me ever, what do we do? Gosh, and that's a scary question. That's a, that's a question that you're, you're staring into the abyss. And some of you guys are there right now. That's not the point of the, the podcast today, but Maybe you're sitting there in your cubicle listening to this, or you're, you're driving to or from the job that you hate, where you feel stuck. You're like, what am I supposed to do? Like, God, what am I doing here? And, or maybe you're where you thought you were supposed to be, in the job you thought you wanted, in the place that you thought you wanted to be, making the money you thought that would make you whole, and something's still missing. And now you're looking into the abyss thinking, what do I do? So what if God doesn't heal me ever? That certainly came to mind. And last question is, do I actually believe that God will heal me? That he will heal me? Because I certainly believe that God can heal me, but will he? Because some Christians are like, oh, you're a Christian. Life's going to be easy and you're going to be rich. Again, if you even do a cursory scanning of scripture, we don't get that narrative. But there are plenty of people that are like, oh, just, just pray. Just pray and ask him. And he'll heal you. And again, I go back to that cancer example that I used. What if it doesn't happen that way? Do we just say, oh, you know, God's sovereign, so deal with it? Because that's actually the answer. But how do we put that into, into action in our lives right now? And that was a gut check for me. I had several of those conversations where it's like, hey, Kyle, do you actually believe this stuff? So, uh, again, I mentioned Joby Martin. I've, I've actually mentioned him on the show a lot, so he comes up all the time. But uh, he told me this privately, and then he, he, he didn't use my name, but he talked about it on one of his shows to where it's like, hey, you're the first one to call out pastors when they do something that's non-biblical, but then you're not believing what the Bible says about having faith to be healed. And it's like, shut up, Joby. Nobody asked you your opinion, <laughs> except I did. So that's my fault. But, man, I, I struggle with that. And it's like, I'm fine putting my faith in the fact that a 30-something-year-old Middle Eastern Jewish construction worker lived and died and was sent here 
by God on a rescue mission to save us from eternal damnation. I believe that he rose again. Absolutely, I believe it. I think the evidence is there for it. But do I believe he's going to heal my throat? I struggle. Again, I believe I can. I believe that he can, but will he? And as we sit here again, two weeks post-surgery number two, I'm still struggling with that. And during that, again, just kind of laying myself out there to you guys, two bits of scripture kept coming to mind during this process. So the first is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now we see this in Daniel 3. So to, you know, most of you have heard this, but if not, I'll give you the Sparknotes version. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he created uh, this enormous image of himself in gold, this big idol. And he demanded and commanded that everyone come and bow in worship to this idol at threat of being thrown into a fiery furnace and killed. Okay? And everyone did this. They came from all over the place to do this, except for three rebels, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow to this golden idol. And then they were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. And we see this interaction as described starting in Daniel 3, verse 15. So this is King Nebuchadnezzar talking. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, but he will deliver us, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And, you know, as the story goes, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, but they were not killed. They weren't even harmed. God protected and delivered them. You know, there, there's, there's more there. Go to Daniel 3 to read that. But again, when you get to that story and the significance of that historical happening to me is that these three rebels, these sticks in the mud, you know, these curmudgeons, these, these people, these, you know, just they're unbendable. They're just like, yeah, God can. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to you. Why? Because you're not God. At best, you can kill our bodies, but you cannot extinguish our souls. And so in my context, my selfish, you know, self-serving, self-centered context, it's like, God can heal my voice, but if he doesn't, I better praise him all the same, or else I've been a fool this entire time. I've been, a, I've been a coward this entire time. I've been illegitimate this entire time. I've been a fake, an imposter this entire time. To demand that you have faith when I have none myself, which is why I'm being so honest with you right now. And just so you guys know, like I'm not talking slowly to increase the dramatics of the situation. This is just all I got. I'm just talking. But do I have, you know, the gut check for me is do I have the faith? the same faith of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Man, that's been a roller coaster for sure. Which leads to the second bit of scripture that we'll, we'll close out with today, which is Jesus healing the boy with an unclean spirit. So we see this in Mark 9, and I'll start reading in verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, this is Jesus talking, what are you arguing about with them? 
And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has it been, has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of him said, most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So, ever since I first heard this passage, I've struggled with it. Because the sentence that this father utters, I, you know, I believe, help my unbelief, makes no sense. If you were to write that sentence in your five-paragraph essay in 10th grade pre-AP English, they'd, your, your teacher would strike that sentence and be like, this sentence is nonsense. Like, please write something better. You know what I mean? So I've always struggled with this passage. And I've, I've heard, I don't know, a dozen different pastors, maybe more, explain this passage. But as I was preparing for this interview, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go read through all my commentaries and figure out what this passage is all about. And I did. And all the commentaries pretty much said the same thing. Yeah, faith is uh, imperfect. And it's never consistent. And it goes up and down. It depends on circumstances. And, and that was it. I mean, I read all my commentaries. I'm looking at them. I read, you know, the Reformation Study Bible, ESV Study Bible, uh, Moody Commentary, John Mar MacArthur uh, Commentary, uh, the new Crossway ESV Men's Study Bible, which is fantastic. It's going to be coming out next month. Read through all of them. And they all said the same thing. Just moved on. And I totally get what this father is saying. I believe that Jesus can heal me. He thought Jesus could heal his son, but there was still that unbelief. It's like, okay, you're about to trust fall, but at the same time, you think, am I about to be on TikTok of my friends, you know, letting me fall because they think it'll be funny. There, there's that little bit of doubt. For most of you guys, you know, asking that gal to marry you. You may have had 99.9% .9 certainty she was going to say yes, but there was that little bit of doubt that you were going to end up on the Jumbotron and then end up on TikTok by being left there with, on one knee with a ring in your hand and nothing much else to show for it. So I get what the Father's saying. And I struggle to, be, to believe, again, I know what you should believe, but I struggle to believe that my personal faith and prayer has anything to do with what God is ultimately going to do. Perhaps that's the influence of 
um, reform theology on me. You know, God's sovereign, so what do I need to do? Whereas most people would just say, well, the Bible still says to pray and ask. So you can't just, you can't just do nothing. Like, if you're going to take some of the Bible's commands seriously, you need to take them all seriously. And so that's where I'm at right now. I'm spending a lot of time thinking about what went on in Daniel 3 and a lot of time thinking about what went on in Mark 9. And I know that we all have this tendency to make the Bible about us. I don't think Daniel 3 is about me. I don't think Mark 9 is about me, but it's applicable to me in this moment. And so I'm in this moment to where if Jesus were walking the earth right now and I were to look at him eye to eye, and he told me basically, you know, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. But I'd be able to honestly say, I believe and hit a period, not I believe, comma, help my unbelief. And so that's what I'm working on. Again, I don't want you guys to think that I am a, a finished work. I am a work in progress. And I want to make sure, and I think this is important. Perhaps this just came to me. Maybe this is the most important thing that you need to hear today if you're still listening this far in. I need to praise him and have faith, even if he doesn't. Because I know there are some people out there right now that are on a faith journey, as you could call it, and they're waiting for things to go their way as a signal to them that God's real. But God's not a cosmic genie. Even if doors are opening for you and you think, oh, you know, this feels like a God thing. If somebody's on a faith journey and they're basing positive things happening in their life and and those being the things that they're going to lean on for the fact that Jesus really died and that they should live by faith and put their faith in him that's that's treading some dangerous water some really really dangerous water and so for those of you out there i want you to rest in the knowledge that what's described in the gospels actually happened and that every single worldview has to answer the same four questions. Origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Origin, where does everything come from? Meaning, why are we all here? Morality, what's the difference between good and evil? Destiny, where do we go when we die? And I think that's what described, what is described in the Bible gives us the best answers to those questions and how we do life. And I believe it's true more than truth is true. It's super capital T, true. So if we work off that as our baseline, we also have to read the other parts of the Bible that don't seem to fit with our current circumstances. Because it's easy to do those things when it's not going to bother you or when you're not in pain. But when you're in pain and you're confused, those are the moments when you need to cleave to Jesus and his promises even closer. And we should try to model after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to where even if God doesn't do the thing that we think he should do, he still loves us. He's still for us, even though not everything in God's world is about us in that, in that instance. He still loves us. He's still for us. And he still has our best interests at heart, whether we agree with it or not, whether we understand it or not. Guys, I really appreciate you hanging with me this long. Voice is about to go, so I'm going to go right to the quick resilience boost. Add Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. I'm going to have a link to the Origin website. So guys, I'm telling you, their new workout gear, geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, much more. That's the Origin side and the Jocko Fuel side. 
Use the code UNDAUNTED to get 10% off your order. And the only link I've got for you today is a link to our donation page. Again, guys, we can't produce the content that we're producing without you. If we have to make some serious adjustments to how we provide content for the future, we're going to need cash to do that. That's the only way about it, okay? I can't put hopes and dreams <laughs> inside a bank account. In order to do the stuff that we're going to do to make the pivots we might need, we need donors like you. We need guys hopping in on a monthly basis saying, you know what? This is making a big difference, not just to me, but to men around the globe. Let's make sure we put our money where our, where our mouth is and let's support this. So that's what I would ask of you guys. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. Also, we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Perpetua, which is off their self titled debut album on face down records the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah